Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening to AOK. Before we start the episode, we just want to remind you that everyone's sexual and romantic attraction works a bit differently. What you are about to hear are opinions based on personal experience, and any descriptions of romantic or sexual orientations featured in this episode are not representative of any group. Hello, friends, and welcome to AOK, the podcast about people on the aromantic and asexual spectrums. I'm your Aeroways host, Courtney Lang, and joining us today is KM, who is a chemistry teacher and aerialist. Hello and welcome. Thank you. Um, tell me a bit about yourself. So I'm 29 years old. I use they, them, or Zezer pronouns, but for the purposes of this, we'll use they, them. And I am a gender, and as I identify as a non-binary lesbian who is also on the arrow-ace spectrum. Great. What does being non-binary lesbian, and I know you mentioned you were qua-romantic and yes. gray-ace. Um, what does that all mean for you? Okay, so the first thing I'm going to do is define qua-romantic, and it basically is when you are not sure that you have ever experienced romantic feelings because you don't really have a good understanding of what romance is like you look at this thing that people do called romance and you're just like what what has happened what is this and that's why qua you know what qua romantic so the idea there is that what other people call romantic relationships is kind of to me uh just a platonic relationship is what i want and so my brain doesn't compute this whole romance thing i don't know I, i'm weird um, so being non-binary lesbian and quaromantic, um, I am on the asexual spectrum, but I'm gray ace. So basically that means that I do experience sexual attraction, but it's pretty rare. When it does happen, um, it occurs towards women and non-binary people. Sorry, men, you're not my dudes. Um, and so that's why I identify as a non-binary lesbian. So um, to me, it's all about that you can still have relationships even if you're arrow ace. Um, it doesn't have to be that you know you are a loner in this cold world. Um, platonic relationships can be very deep and very emotional and very awesome. Um, so I'm a person who makes platonic relationships and occasionally sexual ones. Yeah, that's me. That's great. I have just recently started looking into platonic relationships mm -hmm. um, honestly before starting this podcast I didn't even know that was an option so like you said I did think I was kind of alone like for it like I was in it alone I was going to end it alone um, so that's great yeah so platonic relationships are really awesome and I'm wondering should we like describe what they are yeah or? let's do some descriptions okay so for me the difference between a platonic relationship and a friendship is that friendships can be really awesome and have great emotional weight but eventually you have your own lives to live like you may be best friends for 17 years and then move across the country from each other you still talk but you're friends and for me, a platonic partner is someone who I actively try to build my life with, or I want them to be a permanent part of my life. Um, so I am married, and I am literally married to my best friend. Like, people say that, but for me, it's true. Like, oh my god, congratulations. Yeah, they're, they're my <laughs> best friend, and I married them, and we have a pretty awesome queer platonic relationship, and 
we own a house together. So it's like you wouldn't own a house together with your friend. Right. Unless they were also your platonic partner. Right. Yeah, so that is at least how I view platonic relationships. That's so great. So I know everybody who's in a platonic relationship calls their partner something a little bit different. Um, so you can call them your QPP or you can call them your zucchini. I've heard zucchini. Yes. That one's so I have no just idea. like so weird to me. I don't know where it came from. Have you used it before? Um, I think I've used it exactly once and then it was super awkward and I just never used it again. <laughs> <laughs> and I refer to them as just my partner. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, there's gotta be a better term, right? Like I know it doesn't exist, but like we should come up with something. If, if we do come up with something, we can let everyone know. Yeah, definitely. Um, zucchinis just, I wonder how they got that. Um, so clearly you're big on labels. Um, yeah. So how do you feel about them most of the time? Like, do you find labels super, super helpful? Do you find them kind of restricting sometimes? Um, so in general with me, labels are a positive thing. I know that for some people they can be a negative thing. Um, like if you have different definitions of a term, um, there is like some discourse on the internet about who can call themselves a lesbian. Um, there is sometimes some stigma from being out and using these terms for yourself. But overall, I find a lot of community and it makes me feel less alone in the world because I grew up thinking that I was the only one who felt this way because I didn't really feel like a girl, but I didn't want to be a boy either. So I kind of just used girl by default until I found out there was other options and then my mind was blown. It's kind of like uh, this whole romance thing doesn't really make sense to me, but I have someone who I love a lot, who is my best friend, I want to build my life with them, and then I found out that queer platonic is a thing and my mind was again blown. So it helps to know that um, there are other people like me in the world and that we can live awesome lives. Yes. So when did you find out those other things existed? I found out that non-binary was a thing in college. I went to the U of M, and so it was at the QSCC that someone told me that they were non-binary, and I'm like, what does that mean? They describe it. And at the time, I didn't, like, come out then and there, but internally, I'm like, I think that's me. Great. Yeah. Um, So stuff like queer platonic and quaromantic are terms that I learned on the internet um, probably actually within the last couple years. Um, I haven't really identified as being on the arrow spectrum because I didn't know what romance really was. So I kind of assumed that I was doing romance with my partner until all of our friends who are in romantic relationships like describe what they're doing or their struggles. And I'm just like, I I don't know what you're talking about. That's that's not what what are you saying? So yeah, what kind of what kind of struggles did you not get? Um, okay, so the biggest one for me that I don't get is like dating someone who's not your friend and no yeah. judgment to someone who like does that. But to me, like I can understand wanting to like have a kind of platonic date where you're getting to know each other better and you want to be friends like that I get. But I don't get the whole like we're going to fall in love even though we barely know each other. Like how can you love someone that you barely know? Um, So sometimes people like in relationships, like maybe they met someone on Tinder and it went well for three dates and now they find out something about their partner that's absolutely horrible. And I'm just like, "Mm, well, maybe you should have gotten to know them before you got so emotionally invested. But I don't say that because I'm not a shitty friend. Right. I don't know. Um, Stuff like that or just um, 
when people have extremely different interests from their partner and they just don't communicate with each other and they don't communicate about their needs or wants. And I don't think this is strictly like an aromantic thing to do is communicate, but I think that a lot of people in romantic relationships do struggle with communication. And at least for me and my partner, like communication is the number one thing that we do. We're always checking in with each other, making sure that things are okay, stuff like that. So was it, so it sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong, your relationship was, you were going into it thinking it was romantic. I thought it was romantic, and I'm trying to think of other examples, but unfortunately not a lot are coming to mind. It's just kind of, think of rom-coms or like romantic dramas and those kind of like issues that they have that are often based on not understanding your partner or not listening to them or something like that. I'm just like, what are you idiots doing? Why do you think chocolates and roses will solve this when you clearly need to sit down and talk? Yeah. So my partner and I kind of both discovered that we are somewhere on the arrow spectrum. I identify as qua-romantic and they're demi-romantic. Okay. Yeah. What did you discover it around the same time? Um, Kind of. I started talking to them and I'm like, hey, so you know how? And I started talking about like my feelings and how we do all these uh, communication check-ins and we literally are best friends. Um, That's another thing. We prioritize our friendship first. Yeah. So it's like friendship comes before our marriage, which is ironically why our marriage is successful is we focus on being friends first and foremost. Um, And I was just talking with them one day about how that's like kind of weird and not like our other friends. I came across the term qua romantic. I'm like, hey, I think that I am this. And I explained the concept to them. And that's how we kind of um, figured out that we're not really a romantic couple. Or if we are, it's like very much gray romantic. Um, We just friendship is literally the most important thing to us with each other so that's great that's personally I think that's way healthier than a lot of like I don't want to like lump heteronormative relationships in a group but kind of you know yeah like it just seems so healthy and communication so key and I think as people on the arrow ace spectrum we are almost forced to make ourselves communicate um because it's just, I don't know, you have to. Yeah, um, it feels like boundaries are really important. Yeah. And so um, being able to express those boundaries, um, it can come in in a sexual or romantic way, like what you are or are not good with, or it could be like, hey, when you ask me to help with the dishes in this particular way, it makes me feel really, uh, insert negative emotion here. So. I think that boundaries in a sexual or romantic way can lead to better communication of boundaries in other ways. Yeah. So did you get married before you figured it out? Yes, we did. Interesting. Yeah. So what was that process like? um, So first of all, what we noticed is that after we got married, literally nothing changed in our relationship except for my health insurance and both of our last names because we both changed our last names. Ooh. Did you combine it? Um, so what we did is uh, they had a hyphenated name and I had uh, my maiden name. So we both just made it the second half of their name. Oh. So we ended up taking their father's last name. Interesting. I yeah. like that. Yeah. It gave a little bit more unity because um, their brothers all have their father's last name. So 
I don't know, it kind of helped provide a little more family cohesiveness with my in-laws. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So anyway, getting married, like I said, I literally married my best friend. So to me, it was wonderful. I get to spend this day celebrating our relationship. I get to spend this day celebrating how much I love this person. It's just that I love this person because they are literally the greatest friend in my life. And I want to not just have them be a friend, but I want to build my life with them. And so being able to like publicly say to family and friends, we are committing to building our life together. That was pretty cool. Like I'm also for people who don't want to get married and like are just, you know, permanent staying together, committed couples. I'm also all for polyamory. Um, But for me, the marriage was more of kind of like celebrating what we already had. Cool. Yeah. It's not, yeah, that just like I'm just gonna keep saying this. This sounds so healthy, and you're like, okay, like, trust me, it wasn't always as healthy. <laughs> uh, when we were young and in college, we had a lot of shit to figure out, and oh. ironically, that's how we came up with this communication thing because wow. so many of our problems were that we weren't talking to each other about what hurt us. What do you know? Yeah, and so once we started actually going like, hey, it really hurts me when you do blah 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 mm-hmm. because this reason magical things happen that's incredible yeah yeah so you recently kind of switched labels yes do you want to talk a little bit about that um so actually when I first contacted Courtney and we were talking about setting this up I actually identified as bisexual and since then I have switched to non-binary lesbian and why I did that is because um my actual sexuality hasn't changed like It's the whole gray ace thing, but when I do feel attraction, it's to women and non-binary people. Um, And so in my mind, I'm like, wow, that's more than one gender. I'm bisexual. But everyone assumes that bisexual includes men. Yeah. And so I was getting so frustrated with that. And so there was actually a time in my life, like maybe four years ago, that I wanted to come out as a lesbian. And everyone's like, "Mm, what about Andrew? not realizing that my partner is the same gender as me. Right. And so it actually took um, talking with a friend of mine who did identify as a non-binary lesbian, and we found out that we have the exact same sexuality. It's just that their partner is perceived as female, and my partner is perceived as male, regardless of how they actually identify. And so because of that, I felt like I was forced to take the bisexual label Right. when really I'm a lot more comfortable identifying as a lesbian. That's great that you got to have that conversation. Yeah. And that said, like being bi is totally awesome to all of you bisexual people out there. You rock. You're amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I don't think that, I mean, I could technically classify myself as bi, but I wanted to clear up the misunderstanding with people that, hey, I'm not into men. Right. The bi would be, like your bi would be to genders that don't include men exactly or multiple genders because someone could be gender fluid gender queer non-binary gender you know all of the different non-binary genders right but as society thinks of bi they think men and women yeah and that's not me yeah was it was the process of switching your labels comforting or did you kind of like have to convince yourself to do it so I kind of took baby steps one at a time Um, it started with talking to other friends of mine who are non-binary and identify as lesbian and being like hey so do you think it would be problematic if I did this because I know that again there is a lot of discourse around who should or should not call themselves a lesbian right now and like my whole thing is that I don't want to 
be using a label that is indirectly harming a group of people if I use it. Um, but what they told me is that really like how people perceive my partner should not be the determining factor of how I identify because that is frankly other people's problem. It's not my problem that they read my partner as male when they're not. That's a very good point. So um, after that, I kind of did like itty bitty coming out to like this friend and that friend. And then it would just be like, if I introduce myself in a Facebook group and it's a queer Facebook group, I'd be like, hey, I'm KM and I'm a non-binary lesbian. Yeah. So I didn't do like a big coming out post. I just started using the term instead of bi and it right. feels a lot more liberating for me. Good. So I know a lot of people are scared to switch labels when they discover that their like label doesn't really cover what they are. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly because of like, I hate to use the word, but gatekeeping yeah. in kind of queer spaces and stuff. Do you have any advice for people who might be worried about like being perceived as, you know, a fake or um, kind of like, do you know what I'm trying to say? I know what you're saying. And what I'm going to say is that ultimately you are the only person who can choose your identity. Other people can't tell you who you are. So um, who you are may change over time or who you are may be consistent but you find better words to describe yourself like there was one point in my life where I was like I guess I'm a girl because I don't want to be a man then I found out non-binary was a thing and so I changed my label and I think that it's totally okay to change labels it's totally okay to have a fluid sexuality like you don't have to confine yourself to a box right boxes are for cute little kitties to sit in they are not for us Unless you're a cat. <laughs> Unless you're a cute cat, then go go for the box. Yeah. Um, how many people know? Um, so I'm not quite sure because, again, I kind of would, like, casually mention it in different Facebook groups that I've joined recently. So uh, probably a couple hundred, but most of them are strangers. Of the people who are close friends in my life, probably less than ten but it's not so much that like I'm scared to tell them. It's more that I haven't had reason to bring it up because if they're my close friend, they kind of already know that I'm not into men. And so I don't feel the need to really define that with them, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes total sense. But if for some reason they were like, hey, KM, how do you identify? I would tell them I'm a non the non-binary lesbian I can speak English (laughs) (laughs) um so does your like family know oh boy oh boy so my family is um my family I have a brother who is really cool and basically knows everything about me because he is fantastic um and his partner is also fantastic um then I have my parents who I have a, I'm attempting to build a relationship with them after a lot of years of me having to distance myself from them because I, um, in my younger 20s, had to really distance myself from my parents for my own mental health and for my safety because they were really just toxic people in my life. As for the rest of my family, like, I, I don't feel bad saying this. They're shitheads. Like, yeah. uh, most of my family are extremely bigoted, conservative, the kind of people that give Christians a bad name, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so the vast majority of my family don't know, mostly because I don't talk to them. 
Um, for my parents, I haven't told them I'm a non-binary lesbian because that would be outing my partner in a way. And so I don't want to out my partner to my parents without their permission and without right. talking to them about it. Um, but when I came out as bi, that was in my younger 20s. It caused a huge fucking explosion. I had to stay out on friend's couch for two weeks. But the good news is, like, years later, when I came out as trans, so my parents eventually figured out that, hey, if we keep, like, exploding at KM every time that they are something different than what we expect, we're not going to have our daughter or child or whatever in our lives. Yeah, no fucking shit. So they eventually got, like, their heads out of their derrieres, and um, when I came out as trans to them and I told them that I'm non-binary, I explained what it meant. Um, like, my mother was kind of frank with me that she didn't quite understand it, but she's like, okay, so how do you want me to refer to you? So um, she doesn't, like, she doesn't want to call me her child because that implies that I'm not an adult. Mm-hmm. Um, so I will say that my legal last name starts with a Z, a Z so she calls me her little Z, and it's really That's cute. so cute. So my parents at least know that I'm trans, mm-hmm. and one day I might come out to them as a non-binary lesbian, but right now I don't really feel the need to. Yeah, and you don't have to. Yeah. They, they know I'm queer. Yeah. They know I'm super fucking queer, and that's yeah. what matters. Yeah, I think parents are hard. Um, I keep thinking I'll come out to my parents one day, and then I never do. Yeah, and then it's like you come to the moment and oof, no, yep. nope, nope. And now I'm making a podcast, and I'm terrified that they're going to find it, but also I'm a little bit hoping they're going to find it so I can just be like, Listen to all of them, and then I'll talk to you. <laughs> Listen to all of these fantastic Arrow and Ace yeah. people and know that I'm not alone. I'm right. not the crazy one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about what you would like to tell people about labels. Mm-hmm. If you could tell people, other people on the Arrow and Ace spectrums, like something, anything, maybe like while I know advice and stuff would have been so helpful when I was coming out or not coming out or just struggling with trying to figure out what was going on is there anything you would like you wish someone had told you okay so there are kind of two things the first one is that again only you can decide your identity if you feel that these terms describe you then go for it and if people judge you for it frankly they're the bigoted assholes and you deserve better people in your life The other thing is that you are not broken. Like we said earlier, you don't have to be a loner in this cold world. Um, You can have very deep, awesome friendships or platonic relationships. Or if you want a sexual or romantic relationship later on, that's cool too. You get to decide that. So basically, I want you to know that you're amazing. You are not remotely broken. You are just a natural variant of this human species and that you can love and be loved and be really happy. I want to cry. <laughs> I almost started crying. <laughs> I wish I could have told my younger self that. <laughs> I really wish, yeah. Just, I think it's becoming better. Yeah. I think, I have a couple of friends who are teachers, and you're a teacher. Yeah. Um, do you see an improvement at all in kind of queer attitudes and queer awareness even at high school? Um, So it really does vary a little bit kind of district to district, area to area, but overall I'm seeing a shift towards more understanding. I've also had an experience teaching at a school um, where it was a private school that I kind of had to take the job because of economic hardship 
and you could not be LGBT and be there. Like, they explicitly banned that. But despite that, despite this private school banning LGBT students, there were still kids asking questions. There were still kids that wanted to know. There were still kids that are like, hey, my friend is gay. I don't, you know, what should I do? And my advice would always be, be their friend, you know, yeah. your your friend is a person. Yeah. Um, or like I had people asking about what it means to be trans and stuff like that. And so these people are wanting to know more about it. And they're also wanting to know how to connect with LGBT people, which I think is pretty cool. Um, I also have a student who I like suspected was either gender nonconforming or trans. And so um they were assigned male, and I have a little prize bucket that has different like bracelets and candy and little bouncy balls and stuff in it. Um, so I let this person take a bracelet that said queen on it, and just having that like made this student so ecstatically mm-hmm. happy that I validated that they were a queen. Um, so anyway, I'm rambling. No, that's great. I'm rambling. But the bottom line is that I'm definitely seeing a shift that in all kinds of communities from conservative ones to super liberal ones that I think teenagers are wanting to connect more with the LGBT community. Yeah, that's great. I have, I know I have a friend who's a teacher who says the students in her, um, high school are super aware Mm -hmm. I have another um, friend who says they're I think they teach middle school I think Um, and they have students there that are like I'm Mm -hmm. ace Mm -hmm. I'm just like damn that's crazy I did student teaching at field middle school and there was a student that was non-binary while I was there and so like the teachers would talk about okay how do we address the student that they would like the other teachers would have meetings to make sure they were correctly gendering the student. It was pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah. So that was a seventh grader. Yeah. Maybe someday we won't even need like meetings about that. Yeah. It'll just be a natural thing. Yeah. Wow. Wouldn't that be great? Um, <laughs> One day. I think yeah. it's possible. Yeah. I do think it's possible. One day. Um, do you want to shift topic a little bit and talk sure. about your aerial silks and hoops? Okay. Yeah. Sure. I can do that. So tell me about it. Okay, so when I say aerial, what I mean is that we have different things that are hanging from the ceiling that I do various acrobatic poses on. Aerial silks are um, two pieces of fabric that uh, hang from the ceiling, and Cirque du Soleil uses them a lot. I am not nearly Cirque du Soleil level, and I probably never will be. Um, there's also something called a lira that is a hoop that is suspended from the ceiling. Um, There's other stuff, too, like a static trapeze. It's a trapeze that doesn't swing back and forth. You can have an aerial cube, which is really cool. Um, So there's all kinds of different apparatuses, apparati, I don't know. Um, But there's all different sorts of things you can do. Um, I specifically do aerial silks and the lira, so aerial hoop. Cool. What got you into that? Okay, this is going to be super immature and petty, but... Bring it on. Um... Shortly after I'd graduated with college and all I was doing was working and I wanted something like interesting to do with my life. So I was browsing Groupon and I saw that this um, dance studio was doing pole dance classes. And I was like, hey, I want to do pole dance. So I bought a package from this cl- from this uh, studio only to find out that their pole dance class was full, but they had an opening in an aerial silks class. 
And literally my thought process was, this will make my brother so fucking jealous. <laughs> so I started Aerial Silks as a way to use my Groupon. And because my uh, brother has always dreamed of like being this ninja who can like climb off onto buildings and swing from ropes and do American Ninja Warrior Challenge or whatever. So I'm just like, (laughs) (laughs) But then, so my plan was that I was going to do one session of aerial silks and then do pole dance. And then those those pieces of fabric, they kind of stole my heart. And I was like, oh, I want to do aerial. So you've never done the pole dancing? I am currently pole dancing. I just added it in. Great. Because why can't we have both? Yeah, why not both? But I had only planned to do one session of aerial silks, and I just kept going with it because I loved it so much. Yeah, I so I went to one of your shows. Oh, yeah. How long ago? A year, two years? I think, yeah, probably close to two years ago. Two years ago. um, You were in that... um, you were in a performance with my younger sister. That's right. Um, how long had you been doing it then? Um, let's see. So if that was two years ago, that mm-hmm. would have been 2017. So I would have been doing aerial silks for five years. Wow. But in my defense, I took a year off uh, between 2015 to 16 because I was in a car accident that messed up my back. So really, I'd been doing it for like four years. But Okay. But I was going to say at that point, me watching you, that looks like way more than five years. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, no, it was very good. Um, so what, let's see, you are performing. Yes. In, how do you say this? Oh, I don't know French. Okay, okay. <laughs> so by this point, I have performed. Uh-huh. Um, the show has already happened. It's called Unnatural 20. Oh. And, uh, or Nerdlesque is also what it's called. So they have these shows every month. I performed in the May one. Now, they're currently taking submissions for the June one, um, which is going to be a Pride-themed show on June 28th. So um, everyone should buy tickets and go to On Natural 20. Basically, what it is is a nerd and geeky-themed vaudeville show. So you will have um, belly dancers, you will have burlesque, you will have pole, you will have aerialists. So in May... I performed in this show as an aerialist, and I was a character that was they Venom. That's Not so just cool. regular Venom. I wanted to be non-binary, so I was they Venom. That's so great. Yeah. What made you choose Venom? Um, Is it connected to your love of horror at all? So I do like Venom probably because of horror, and I'm going to be a little bit like hipster here and be like, I liked Venom before the movie, but... <laughs> Uh, no, he's one of my favorite characters from the Spidey series and all that. But um, why I chose Venom is actually because of a song that I had come across called No Hero by JT Music. JT Music makes a ton of nerd music that is actually, like, really good, like, really? legitimately awesome music that is all themed around, like, video games or comics or things like that. Is that on SoundCloud or... It probably is. I listen to it on Spotify. Okay. Um, it's also on YouTube. So there's this song called No Hero, and it was really, like, a fantastic song. I liked it a lot. It resonated with me, and it's about Venom. So I decided then that I was going to do a Venom routine. Wow. Um, but I didn't want to wear a bald cap and do, like, my whole head. So for the show, I had done um, Venom makeup on half my face, and I had dyed half of my hair black. Now I have all of it black to match. Um, but at the time, I was trying to do, like, the partial transformation type of makeup. Yeah. Yeah. And since I'm non-binary, I went for a Thaven instead. 
That's so cool. How how was it? Um, it was a lot of fun, and it was definitely like an adrenaline pumping thing. It was um, my first paid aerial show. Oh wow! That I have ever done. They paid uh, you. Yeah, That's huge. Congratulations. Well, thank you. Um, and so it was just a fantastic night, full like full of so much talent, so many amazing dancers, so many amazing performers, and I was really honored to be among them. I felt like this little kid in a like classroom full of seniors of high school or something wow. because I was with like professional burlesque performers here and I'm just little old me. Aww. But it was a really amazing experience, and I hope that I can perform with them again. Um, it's at Minsky Theater in Northeast Minneapolis. Okay. And they do have shows regularly, but the Nerdlesque show is, you know, nerd burlesque. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I get it. And <laughs> au natural 20. I, I don't even know if I'm saying that right. I'm not French. Some French person's going to hear this and get mad at us. Au naturel. Yes. That's so great. Um, how, so if you could keep doing, I mean, you're going to keep doing aerial, uh, performance forever, probably. Um, what's another kind of character you would like to play with? Ooh, so I'm going to kind of spoil something. Mm -hmm. I am currently putting together a routine for the June show, and because it's Pride-themed, they really want LGBT characters. So I brainstormed, like, every queer character I possibly know, and I eventually chose Theo Putnam from the Sabrina uh, Netflix series. Oh! Um, So the song that I am making a routine to, whether or not it gets accepted, like, I still like making routines and coming up with choreography, so it'll be fun for me regardless of whether or not I'm in the show. Um, but it's a song called Spectrum by Boy in a Band. It's a very emotional song about how um, you can choose your friends and your family, and if your biologicals don't accept you, there are other people who will. And so with the character of Theo Putnam, who comes out as trans partway through the Sabrina series, um, I felt that it was very fitting. So there are, of course, like other characters I'd like to do. I have a million and ten <laughs> routine ideas in my head, but that's the one I'm currently working on. That's so cool. I think it's that's just like such a cool thing to do, like any aerial performance. Um, I, when I was a kid, wanted to run away and join the circus, obviously, like every child wants. I did too, except my circus featured a clown that ate kids. Oh, you're Scott. That's so terrifying. <laughs> sorry. Um, yours would. Um, my circus uh, featured me as a fire breather. Ooh. And then I found out trapeze was a thing. And mm. then it featured me as a fire-breathing trapeze artist, which I don't think is safe. Well, you probably shouldn't do both of them at the same time, No. <laughs> Um, you could probably do static trapeze and breathe fire. That's true. I did do static trapeze in college. Ooh, fancy. Um, just for a class. But still cool. Yeah. I wasn't very good at it. Um, Practice. Come on. Who is someone important to you? Um, so a person that I wanted to talk about who's important to me, their name is Annie Icarus, and they are a person that I call my soul twin. Um we have both said that we kind of think of each other as platonic partners, but we haven't, like, officially established that yet. They live in Colorado, and um, to describe this person, they are wonderfully nerdy. They are very empathetic. They always have bright colored hair. It's, like, bright pink, or currently it's bright purple. And um, they're just a fantastic human being, a great artist. Um, their Instagram, by the way, is Jedi in Wonderland. 
Ooh. like Jedi as in Jedi Knight in Wonderland. Shout out to them. And they have really been there through a lot of ups and downs in my life. Um, I feel like they really understand me on a fundamental level. And they're actually the person who uh, is the non-binary lesbian oh. who is talked to me about yeah. my sexuality and is how I figured out what my sexuality is. That's so great. And the kind of interesting thing is that Annie now identifies as bi, so we kind of like traded labels. That's so crazy. Yeah, I know. It's um, a weird thing, but I'm super grateful for them in my life. They're like always checking in on me. They're always supporting me, and so shout out to Annie Icarus. Awesome. It's so important to have people like that in your life. Yeah. Um, well, that's all I have. Is there anything else you want to cover? Any topics we haven't talked about that you're really itching to get out there? I don't know. Um, Ace and Arrow people are super fucking cool. Like, they're just the greatest. That's pretty much what I have to say. Right. Well, thank you so much for talking with me today. Thank you. I had a great time as usual. Um, and thank you to everyone listening. If you are enjoying AOK, uh, make sure to rate and subscribe and maybe recommend it to someone who you think might like it. And of course, thank you to Uberkick for the use of their song AOK, to Tanner Grayler for As Rats and Children for creating our beautiful cover art, and to Sophie Lalonde for editing and producing this episode. I'll be back next week with another guest, but until then, I'm Courtney Lang. And I'm KM. And, and we, we are AOK.